a high fly to right. high drive. This is tagged, going back, 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 high fly. Hammer to the gap and left side. At the track, at the track, at the track. High and deep That was right. hit a ton. At the wall. This is going to go to the rock pile. Point back at the track. This ball's getting small. Getting small. This is charged. That ball just got out of here. He got out of here. He can go back to back. High and deep. This is going to go for a home run. Way out of here. This is White Sox Weekly. The White Sox have been busy this offseason. Let's get this thing going. They signed a couple of top free agents and spent some bucks in the process. Boy, this ball is hammered. They've closed up some holes. Inside corner, that is a dirty dozen for Dallas Keuchel. Goslin, line shot caught by Gio Gonzalez. They've unleashed La Pantera. High and deep to left. Back goes Kiblahan, still going back, looking up, and it is gone! A grand slam for Luis Robert. And they've added some serious pop. Back in a deep right field, a no-doubter for Yasmani Grandal. Deep left field, it is We'll get a ride. Edwin Encarnacion. The proverbial window has begun to open. The Chicago baseball conversation. Point back at the track. On the flagship home of the Sox. It is good. 720 WGN. 510 Sox Fest weekend. White Sox weekly every Saturday. For the most part, Mark Harmon here, Andy Mazur. Hi, Andy. Good to see you. Hi, Mark. It's good to see you as well. Curtis Koch is producing the program. The phone number is 312-981-7200. We've got Rick Hahn. We've got, who do we have? We've got Michael Kopech. We've got Nick Madrigal. We have a plethora of entertainment. We have Tim Anderson. I honestly, I, I feel like I needed to take a deep breath. I just came running over from you a did. corner place. Uh, you and, was there earlier. You and you, Mazer, you got to sit down with Jeremy Haber, who's... Uh, the assistant GM, right? Yeah, and director of player development, Chris Getz. And before that, you were uh, going with the big timers. You had Ozzy, you had Frank, you had Mike Soratka. It was an interesting panel, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Talking uh, 20 years after the fact with the 2000 team. And it was interesting that they had Ozzy up there because he was in Tampa when all that was going on. And I you know, kind of asked him, I said, weren't you uh, in Tampa when the 2000 team was winning? He goes, yeah, I was in Tampa. I wasn't playing very much, but I was there. He was like like Ozzy's always he's there. all knowing. He he uh you know yesterday the opening ceremonies and the media was allowed in in the afternoon and guys are milling around and so there's Ozzy having Ozzy conversations always the personality one of my favorite athletes slash coaches to ever play in this town and him and Kenny <laughs> were hanging out for a long time yesterday. So that was kind of interesting, right? I mean, you know, that, I always kind of wonder, like, where's that relationship at right now? But they were they were buddy buddy all day yesterday. It was kind of fun to watch. You know, it was interesting too. Kenny was there for uh, Jason Benetti's uh, talk with the Ricks, Ricky Renteria and Rick Hahn, and he wasn't sitting near the stage. He was actually sitting in the sound booth like, <laughs> at the very at the very far end of the of the uh, the stage, and it was like, um, what are you doing there? <laughs> Hanging You're out, to be right over here, aren't you? Hanging out. Uh, I so for myself, I did uh, three o'clock. They had through the scouts' eyes with the White Sox amateur scouting director Mike Shirley, who's had a very interesting journey. Yes, he's, he's been with the Sox organization for a long time. Also, you know, forty fifth round draft at the Cleveland Indians, and 
just a guy that's got his head down and doing everything he possibly can uh, to help the ball club, as they say. And then uh, just got to sit with Aaron Bummer and Steve Ciszek and, and Kurt Hassler is the bullpen coach, and Kurt Hass has been with the organization for 29 years. And, of course, Steve's the new guy here. Yep. And i got to tell you, as likable as they come – a great competitor. Yeah. He's had a phenomenal career. He's had 25-plus saves three separate times in his career. He was great for the Cubs the last two years. 150 appearances in two years. Incredibly durable. And I really think he's going to be a, just a nice veteran in that pen. It's interesting with him because he is the one acquisition that is being least talked about. It's true. He really isn't getting a whole lot of love. He's not getting the, the accolades that a Yasmati Grandal is, of course. Edwin Encarnacion, a Dallas Keuchel, even a Gio Gonzalez. Long list here. They're getting uh, a little bit more. Uh, Omar Mazzara, they're getting a little more of the headlines, which, which I think probably, and I, I didn't talk to him, but you did, probably suits him just fine. Yeah, he's easy going. Very I mean. Just, uh, you know, a lot of fans were asking questions, which was great, uh, and cool to get the participation going and he you know every question he was given great details and was excited to answer and then the brilliant questions that i threw out there he answered those too (laughs) so i it just uh there's there's a there's something that's going on with this team yeah there's something in the air right i mean tim anderson leading the way and well timmy uh you know i I caught up with him for a couple minutes yesterday i and i asked him and i'll answer it like hey you're gonna win another batting title this year he's like why not why not? But he, but he's thinking about you know putting a big fat ring on that finger. Yeah, I mean the the batting championship is nice. They surprised him with the the Rod Carew uh, Rod Carew Trophy yesterday. Oh wow! Uh, on stage, okay. yeah, and uh, that kind of uh, drew some uh, welcomed uh, applause, which of course are well deserved. And you know, if anybody knows Tim, he is not about Tim. He's about uh, the uh, the other twenty four on that team. And certainly would like to be the the one that uh, helps to lead them to the to the promised land. Yeah. Well, we'll have Tim coming up here, and the guy who is actually leading them to the <laughs> promised land, and so to speak, at least, is the general manager Rick Hahn, who uh, you and I sat down with yesterday. So we're gonna play that interview coming on back here. Do you have anything you need to read for the uh, the faithful? I can read this if you want me to read this. Why don't you read? Hey, that? Sox fans! Single game tickets are on sale right now. Be here for it all. Watch us change the game in 2020. Get your tickets at WhiteSox.com. All right. Rick Hahn, White Sox general manager, right around the corner. It's White Sox Weekly. We're with you to se- till 7 o'clock tonight, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly. We were actually able to sit down face-to-face with Yasmani. Everything we learned from that meeting reinforced what we had learned about him from afar and through various sources. That is that not only is he an outstanding contributor based upon what you guys have all seen between the lines, but that he's a a tireless worker, a great preparer, a great game planner, and and someone who's going to fit in very well in our clubhouse. Now, back to White Sox Weekly. 720 WGN, Mark Carmen, Andy Mazur, and yes, we have the general manager of your Chicago White Sox, Rick Hahn. Rick, I, I, you know, from Andy, myself, and all of WGN, White Sox fans everywhere, we do want to congratulate you on a, on a great uh, offseason. And I know you haven't played a game and all that, but, it, but, it's, but it's been a lot of fun to watch and just see you guys hit on so many. Now, we appreciate that. Look, it, it, it's, it's funny because it's, it's Sox Fest weekend. There's a lot of enthusiasm. We love the enthusiasm. It's great to hear, you know, from from White Sox fans, from the media like yourself. You know, this level of, hey, this team has done something and turned a corner, and they're taking that next step. You know, Jerry Reinsdorf, Kenny Williams, and myself, we sort of take a a different view in that 
we accomplish a lot of what we accomplished that this winter. That's good. We're supposed to. Like, that's part of the gig. Uh, but until that team starts winning on the field and we're truly in a position to contend for championships, it feels sort of like... I don't know, like premature or false. But uh, so I so I appreciate it, but that look on my face you saw when you're congratulating me where I'm a little cringing, that's where that comes from. Yeah, that was that was definitely a radio cringe. I, it was Grundell the, the the first like hey, let's get this and then we can move from there or did that just sort of happen organically? Uh there were a handful of guys that we reached out on as soon as it was viable right after the day after the World Series. And yeah, it was certainly a, a major priority. Uh certainly probably a safe to say our number one position player priority Uh, you can't you know as we certainly saw last offseason and as you saw with the movement in different markets segments this year you know the starting pitching market moving a little differently than the outfield market for example you can't necessarily predict exactly the timing that these things are going to happen we were we were fortunate in that uh, we were able to sit down with the ads face to face out in in phoenix at the gm meetings Uh, soon thereafter uh, he was truly sincerely interested in us. He started sol- asking for help getting videotape on some of our starters before we before we uh, uh, even had real substantive conversations about the economics. And then uh, once we got more substantive on the economics, it, it was clear that if we got to a certain level that he was going to come join us. So that one worked out great. I wish they all, uh, as much as we all love going to the winter meetings, I would love to have all our work done in November, but that was a rare one. Well, you had to probably love that he was... Wanted more information. That made you even want him more, I would think. Oh, absolutely. Look, look, Yaz, to this day, still texts me once or twice a week with the name of some minor league free agent or this guy, hey, what do we have on him? Or I talked to this guy. He's going to be better next year. Uh, And I knew him by reputation, obviously. had not had any real one-on-one interactions with him. But certainly coming out of that meeting, much less when he started breaking down some of our guys, much less when he started – proactively telling me, hey, I've talked to this player about this, and this is going to be better, and how about this guy? It's hard not to get excited for what he brings, not only for the performance that we've all seen in between the lines, but the the type of teammate he is and what he's going to bring to that clubhouse. Yeah, you know, you talk about good problems to have, and I think that's probably one of them when you can bring in an all-star to team with an all-star behind the plate. But you went out and did that in a number of different areas to give yourself some depth and create those good problems to have. It, it, it is part of, you know, when we look back at the motivation behind when we started this rebuild, part of it was we had a pretty good, like, one through eight or one through nine on our roster in terms of talent. You know, we had some really good players and Chris Sale and Eaton, Brayo was on some of those teams and, and Quintana. But the problem was we lacked like players nine through 35 weren't of the caliber that was necessarily capable of winning a championship and you know even in the early stages of this rebuild we've seen that the baseball gods can be cruel and some guys get hurt and some guys don't necessarily fulfill their potential Uh, so you need to have that insulation you need to have that quality depth and that was one of the things one of the goals of what we set out to do was put ourselves in that position in all candor like and again, I'm got some sort of sickness from being in, the, being in the GM seat. Like, I still see areas that we aren't to the level we need to be at in terms of depth. But you're absolutely right that certainly at catcher and at other places around the diamond, we've done a decent job, knock on wood, against insulating ourselves against underperformance or injury. Well, along those lines, like how 
comfortable do you feel going in here with the pitching and is Lucas going to be what he was last year and better is is Dylan going to take a huge step is Michael going to be there's a, you know there's a, that's the like I think all fans are looking at these are the question marks those are absolutely questions look they they I don't think first of all if you ask any of the 30 GMs how you, do you feel good enough about your pitching the only ones lying to you will be the ones who say yes like none of us feel good about the pitching it's too it's too fragile as a beast uh, that said you know uh, we feel really good, obviously, about what Lucas accomplished last year. Uh, do we expect him every year to be a top five Cy Young type performer? That that'd be wonderful. Uh, I think it's hard for any pitcher to say this is who he's going to be every year. But we certainly think a lot of what he did is sustainable. Uh, in terms of Lopi, in terms of Cease, you know, we think they both learned very important lessons last year. They both took. Uh, a great deal of knowledge, some some which they wanted, some which they probably didn't, away from some of the performances last year and put themselves in a good position for, for 2020 and beyond. Kopech coming back healthy, Rodon coming back healthy at some point, much less the guys we brought in from the outside. That You, you start seeing it come together to the point where you then have that insulation from a pitching standpoint. Again, I don't think anyone's ever going to feel comfortable that they have enough. Uh, a year from right now, I think knock on wood, everyone stays healthy, and Kopech's back, and Rodon's back, and uh, Dane Dunning, Jimmy Lambert, Jonathan Stever, guys in the minors sort of return or take a step forward. Then you can start looking and be like, okay, they've got like eight or nine options for a five-man rotation, and that's that's at least a good place where the GM maybe can fall asleep at night. (laughs) You were talking at the end of last year, too, about the different areas and aspects that you wanted to improve upon, and one of them was adding a couple of starting pitchers, and you added a couple of starting pitchers that are not just guys to plug in, but they're quality guys that can also give you something in the clubhouse as well as they can give you on the field. That was part of the motivation, right? Absolutely. Look, the the guys wind up on our target list, uh, you know, first or foremost because of their performance and, and what they're capable of doing in the actual game. That said, when you start sort of separating some guys from each other, you start really di- diving into what the benefits are of player X versus player Y. The guy who is a good teammate, the guy who has that work ethic, the guy who has been to the top of the mountain, whether it's as a world champion or as an individual achievement, like in Keuchel's case, also as a Cy Young winner. Those, you know, tend to separate themselves a little bit from the rest. It, you know, we love what Keuchel, what Grandal, what Encarnacion bring to the team in terms of their specific performance from 7 to 10 o'clock. It's not really an accident that Keiko's been in the postseason each of the last five years. Grandal's been in the postseason each of the last or four of the last five or something like that. And, and Encarnacion, I think, each of the last five years. Like that's part of you know helping this young core develop into a championship caliber core. Part of it is what these guys can help shepherd them too, and and their experiences help with that. I thought it was interesting that Grandal said that, or rather, Keiko said that when they signed Yasmani, then I then I became interested. Uh, and you're shaking your head, but did you know that that was you know potentially reconnecting those dots? You know, I, I think certainly certainly any pitcher is going to be excited that Yasmani Grandal is is on that staff, and it makes them more appealing. And we did hear from we literally heard from uh, two guys who picked up the phone and called and said, I'm interested because Yaz is here. And I think Yaz heard from some more himself. Keiko wasn't one of those who proactively did that. I don't know if Scott Boris would have let him make that phone call. Uh, but I think that 
from the outside world looking in, if you go back to the end of the last, uh, the start of the off season, certainly high caliber free agency. Hey, they've got this young core coming together. They've got more prospects on the way. They play in Chicago. You know, they they've got Ricky, who everyone hears good things about. You know, that's that's got some appeal. That that checks a lot of boxes for me. I think once. We added Grandal. Perhaps that resonated with some other free agents. Perhaps in Dallas, be an example. That okay, and they're going to start spending some money now and, and really try to move this move this needle forward, so to speak. So again, Yaz made the commitment. Even though in the meeting we explained to him, look, you're not going to be the only one. Where we've got other plans here. Uh, and once he clear that he was going to be with us we started talking to him about some of the alternatives that were available in free agency and trade to get his thoughts um he was he made the commitment without necessarily knowing who those guys were so i don't think it's across the board that you know you had to get one and then everyone else fell in place some guys were willing to commit before that was even in place like yes you know, it's interesting we talk about the the guys that you added from outside, and yeah, they got a lot of the headlines. But uh, there's also a guy that you added from inside that's going to play out in center field, most likely. And you know, this is the second straight year that uh, a highly rated prospect is going to start the year with the big league club. That's got to make you feel good about the way things are headed too, as far as the rehab was concerned. Not having to go outside for everything and being able to look inside as well. It is, you know, we we when you set off down this path, like. Your scouts get excited. Your player development people get excited. Obviously, us in the front office get excited when you when you start accumulating these potentially high impact prospects, and you start looking around the diamond, and you're like, okay, well, this guy could move into being third base long term, and this guy could be center field long term, and we got these group, some of which are going to be long term starters. But you know, just because of the way the game is, like you're not going to build a full championship roster only on homegrown guys. When you start off down this rebuild path, like that's kind of the aspiration because you're like that'd be awesome, and you're trying to acquire as much as possible. Uh, but we knew we weren't going to be self-sustaining. We were going to have to go outside either via free agency or via trade. Uh, However, the more guys that we can add like that from inside the Luis Roberts of the world or soon at some point Nick Madrigal or perhaps, you know, a year from now we're sitting here talking similarly about Andrew Vaughn, like that does make it easier. That does make some of the uh, effort to take that next step a, a little easier simply because, and we've seen it this offseason, certainly saw it last offseason, like you can't just because you're interested in a guy or just because you're bidding X doesn't mean you get him. These players have earned the right in free agency. They're the best of the best to get that level of big league service. Do they get to make a choice based on whatever they want? And even if the White Sox are got a chance to win championships in Chicago, which in my biased opinion, obviously you can't find a better situation than that. They may have a different thing pulling at them that takes them another way. So not needing to be subject to the vagaries of free agency not needing to give up your own talent to trade for to via trade for veteran talent that's a good spot to be in now we knew it wasn't gonna be perfect but certainly Luis, you know continues that trend no doubt about it more with rakan coming up in a couple of minutes here but first andy yes Sox games are better with a group it's never too early to lock in your 2020 group package from a diamond suite to a pregame patio party We've got the perfect space for your occasion. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com 
or call 312-674-1000. Conversation with the GM continues. And then coming up, Michael Kopech. It's White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly. We are extremely excited about this edition. He strikes out the side of 13 straight, retired by Dallas Keuchel. We view this as the next logical step in our process, one that was a high priority for us entering this offseason, and that being adding someone who not only uh, helps stabilize the rotation, but someone who is uh, going to be a key contributor inside the clubhouse as well. Now back to White Sox Weekly. I like that. We'll have some conversation about Dallas Keuchel coming up after 6 o'clock tonight, Andy Mazur. I'm ready for that. I've got some thoughts. I'm really proud of what he did. Let's, oh, me too. Hey, man, not the cheating part, but the owning it part and the moving forward part and the honest part. All of that was refreshing. You know, it was interesting. Ozzy again was asked about that uh, same thing during our panel. I'll, I'll share with you later on uh, what I'm he had to for, say about that as well. I'm looking forward to that. Let's uh, get back in with Rick Hahn, the White Sox general manager. And, of course, the White Sox signing Luis Robert in the offseason, six years and $50 million, essentially taking one year of free agency off the table and being able to start the season with Robert in center field, seemingly on opening day. How do you get yourself comfortable with making that level of deal, giving somebody $50 million, Rick Hahn, who has not played a game in the big leagues? We've we've have knocked on wood. We've have a pretty decent track record here in terms of signing young guys long term deals. And this goes back to, you know, Burley and, and Canerico, uh then obviously, you know, Sale and, and Q and Eaton and, and T A. But those you know, those were beneficial those deals were beneficial for us. They were obviously beneficial for the players. But in recent years we knew that these were becoming a little more difficult. Uh, players were a little t- more reticent to to give up free agency control. Uh, certainly, the the numbers and arbitration have gotten sizable. That there's a pretty nice payout for just getting to your first year of arbitration eligibility. So when we set off initially on this on this whole rebuild, there, there's a memo somewhere in my office. Probably probably not in Jerry's anymore, but it was given to Jerry. Uh, in describing one of the elements of this was uh, an economic strategy as part of the rebuild and not only was it you know needing to maintain our flexibility and needing to have a reserves and cash reserve in place for when it was time to take a foray into free agency but it was also that we were going to have to be more aggressive to do some of these long-term deals and and that the benefit of the added control uh was significant that you know we maybe have to do some things that we're uncomfortable with and i'm sure we outline we might even go to a player before he's made a appeared in a single big league game uh i think that's probably more the exception even though we've done it twice now in the span of 10 months or whatever i think it's still more the exception and a a testament to uh, how unique the talents of eloy and luis are Also interesting, does it give you kind of a baseline? Because, you know, Eloy came up with all these expectations, and you saw him go through some growing pains here and there. And still, I know you want to work with him defensively in the outfield as well. Uh, Does it kind of give you a baseline of maybe what to expect, you know, with Luis? I know they're different players, but at least a guy making, uh, bursting out of the big league scene in his first year. It does. I think, Andy, you know, I think that that's an experience that is important for fans to to have in in their mind as they evaluate, you know, Luis Roberts' progress. But I think really like the experiences of Giolito and Moncada should be the most 
obvious. I, I, I'm, I'm sure that this weekend no Sox fan is going to stand up and admit that after the 2018 season uh, they decided that Giolito was a bust or they decided Moncada was a bust. And if they're smart, they've they've cleaned their Twitter feeds of of their of their uh, they've scrubbed their Twitter feeds of such hate that, that was probably been out there after the 18 season. But those two and the progress they made last year and the way that ultimately they were able to acclimate themselves to the big leagues and in the end their you know undoubtable talent shown through those are important lessons look i would love it would love it love it love it for luis robert to hit the ground running on march 26 and not look back and win rookie of the year and and you know go 30 30 and do all these marvelous things that we think he's capable of doing over the course of his career Traditionally, that doesn't happen with prospects. Look, we were, we were a little spoiled in this town. Chris Bryant came up, and he was a dude from day one. That was pretty special. That doesn't tend. That's more the exception than the norm. And I certainly think that, even though we think the the world of Luis and we think the world of Eloy, and we still are very very bullish on certainly Eloy's future, uh, and feel great about Luis's future, that you still got to remember the process the the path that guys like Giolito and Mancata took and sometimes it takes a little longer than you'd like but the the talent does win out in the end I feel like that's one of the harder parts of sitting in your chair too when everyone's screaming he sucks and like hey man like I'm seeing something and I have more information than you and we're gonna let him play it out you guys also had the luxury of doing that in the last couple of years which is you know that's obviously gonna be ramped up now no it's true and look the the it, it's only hard when it's my kids at the breakfast table, like, and have to deal with their issues on this. But the the rest I tend to tune out pretty well. Uh, it is one thing that you know you you say about having more information or sort of knowing you know what a guy may be dealing with physically or what he may be dealing with off the field or you know developmentally what we're trying to change about him and the amount of time the repetition that truly takes. You're right. I am those of us inside are a little more privy to certain things that aren't going to get out publicly but the cost of it hasn't been you know for me individually for rick Hahn individually it hasn't been like having to deal with the haters and like what to say to them it's more like i've lost the ability to be a hater like when something goes wrong with the bulls or the bears or the blackhawks like and i get all mad and get the red ass and be turned into a meatball fan momentarily i'm always like oh well, wait they uh they, they have more information and, you know they, they they know what's up and i'm sure there's a logic to their decision so like i've lost that that's the cost to me yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious too with uh, a couple of things that are going to change this year through Major League Baseball with the 26th man on your roster now, and and also relief pitchers having to face three batters. How that's going to change things, and what that does to you guys looking at that 26th guy out of spring training, and then how you're going to get your relievers ready to do that. You know, the, the first from the reliever standpoint. Uh, we develop these guys with the intent that they are not specialists. Like the, you don't want a guy just to be a left-on-left guy. You might identify him in A ball or double A, be like, eh, I think this is probably going to be the limit on this fellow. Uh, but ideally, you equip them with the arsenal to get both-handed hitters out. So, really, from a developmental standpoint, it doesn't change a lot. From identifying who you break with. Maybe it plays a role. I do think, and I haven't been too closely 
monitoring this, but there, there are a handful of left-handed relievers out there who seem to have pretty strong splits, really good against lefties and a lot of trouble against righties, who still seem to be out in the market, where I think prior to the rule change might have found a home by now. Uh, but generally, you know, whether it's Bummer or Fry, you know, excuse me, we view those as guys who are effective against lefties and righties when they're right, and that's who we want to try to, to grow behind them. Uh, as for the 26-man, it'll be interesting. I think teams are going to sort of learn, feel their way through it initially. You know, I, I, it won't shock me if teams, you know, carry a third catcher at times. So it'll allow for pinch running and, and substitution at a position that managers traditionally are a little scared to, to go to their backup in-game. Um, you might see teams try to store a Rule 5 guy more easily, you know, stick with a Rule 5 guy longer because you can hide him a little bit more easily. Uh, you know, a base-stealing specialist, does that make sense for you to carry? You know, the, the, the 26-man, like, I think that's probably not going to have, like, a monumental impact. It's going to you know, make life a little bit easier because, you know, if, if uh, one night Lurie's banged up and, you know, he's down for, like, three days, you'll have coverage where if 25 guys and Lurie's your backup for three outfield positions and two infield positions and he's down, you sort of sweat through the game. But I don't think it's going to have a, as big an impact on as perhaps uh, the change of the September rules, for example, where you have a limit of 28. Uh, I think that will probably be – you'll hear more about that come next offseason than the 26 man. Wrapping up here at White Sox General Manager Rick Hahn. I should have said that before, but everybody knows who we're talking to right now. Andy Mazur, Mark Carmen on 720 WGN. I, I just wanted to, you know, the I know that you're not making the marketing slogans, but <laughs> the we play louder, faster, bolder, uh, not here to play the game, here to change it. This, you know, your players obviously are, are buying in here. And to just know that you've assembled a group that wants to own that. I just think it's super cool. I, look, I think it's it's great. It, it's uh, from my standpoint, you like to see the players understand, or excuse me, the fans understand the players' personality and understand what makes the individual tick. At least for me, growing up as a as a sports fan, it felt a little bit more special when I sort of knew, you know what Mike Singletary was about, or at least thought I knew what Mike Singletary was about, uh, and have that connection. So I like that you're seeing more of the, our players' individual personalities, whether it's Tim Anderson or uh, Kopech out speaking yesterday or, or this week to, to fans. I, I think that having that connection is important, and I think uh, everything we can do to, to promote that connection is a, is a positive. I still watch the Super Bowl shuffle at least once a week. That's just, that, that's, that, that's just me. <laughs> Rick, appreciate the time. Congrats on everything, and uh, great to see you at SoxFest. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. I know you could sing the Willie Gall portion right now. Speedy Willie. He's world class. He likes running, but he loves to catch the pass. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He practices all day, dances all night. He's got to get ready for the Sunday fight. I'm as smooth as a chocolate swirl. <laughs> Dance really funky, so watch me, girl. girl. There's no one here that does it like me. My Super Bowl shuffle well, set, set me, me free. free. Thanks to Rick Hunt for joining us. You want to do sweetness? They call me sweetness, and I like to dance. Running, Running the, the ball. ball is like making romance. Uh, I love 34. We've had the goal since training camp to give Chicago a Super Bowl champ. Conversation with Rick Hahn, sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and ZoomZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. We're Fridge. not doing this because we're greedy. We're Bears are here to feed the needy. Didn't come here looking for trouble? Super Bowl shovel, baby. 
So good. Uh, hey, stay up to date, by the way, on all things White Sox and the Super Bowl Shuffle by signing up for the free White Sox blacklist. You get breaking news, project up, uh, prospect updates, excuse me, special ticket offers, and more delivered right to your inbox. Visit WhiteSox.com slash blacklist to sign up today. And 2020 ticket packages are on sale right now. Secure your seat with a 20-game plan. Find the plan that meets your schedule and your budget. Lower level plans starting as low as $403. For more information, whitesox.com or 312-674-1000. The manager, Ricky Renteria, with a bunch of comments earlier this week. How is he going to manage the depth? What about the expectations? We will hear from the skipper next. It's White Sox Weekly. Andy Mazur, yours truly, Mark Harmon on 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly. Their pitching staff excites me a lot just because there's a lot of good young arms that, uh, that could be great. So hopefully I can... I can help them out to be the best that they can be, and uh, and hopefully uh, at the end of the day, by the end of the four years, we we made a deep run in the postseason, and you know, God willing, we're going to win a championship. Now back to White Sox Weekly. That was Yasmani Grandal. White Sox Weekly till six o'clock. We're doing some extended White Sox talk tonight because it is Sox Fest. And hey, we're having some fun here. Mark Carmen, Andy Mazur, good to be with you on seven twenty WGN. Ricky Renteria, we were both there for his press yes. conference the other day. What, what did, before we play some of these cuts, what did you think of the way Ricky handled the expanded talent on the roster? That's the Ricky I know and love from our days in San Diego. Because Ricky, when Ricky gets unplugged uh, and really tells you exactly how things are going to go, you can kind of believe that that's that that's real. That's not that's not anything he's bringing to this press conference. That is a guy that is excited to manage a ball club that has some talent on it and has some expectations attached to it. He's a super positive guy. Always has been. Yeah. Ever since I've met him. If you don't like Ricky Renteria, there's like kind of something wrong with you. Yeah, I no, I agree. I'm not saying he's the best manager no, in the no, game no. or whatever, but as far as a likable guy and someone you want to root for, come on. Yeah, and and you know to to be fair, I mean he was a he was a coach when I met him in San Diego, and uh, but he was you know moved up to the bench coach before he uh, took off for the uh, for the Cubs job. But you think about the teams that he's had to manage, you know, with the with the with the Cubs in fourteen, nothing, and then here with the White Sox the last few years, not much. There there there's been some glimpses of it, and there's been glimmers of hope. But he's a guy that has been developing talent and relating with his talent, and I think that's a that's a huge. A point that kind of goes under notice sometimes because that that's how he builds his credibility within his group. And I, the, going back to the Cubs thing just for a second, you know, yeah. when he gets he gets bonged out of there. Not fair. Can't put it on him. But whatever. The Cubs were super excited to bring in Joe Madden, elite guy. Mm-hmm. That's not a knock on Ricky. No, not at all. One of the few guys that you would do that for, and they love Joe. And obviously, it worked out great. Uh, won the World Series. Mm-hmm. But he didn't say a word about it. He handled that as in, in, as professional manner as he could. Got an opportunity to be a bench coach with Robin, and then he got his opportunity. So it's, it's like a lesson in how to handle. When life is not going your way, per yeah. se, at the moment. And, you know, he probably would be upset with me for revealing this, but, you know, there were a couple of reporters uh, locally here that knew that I knew him and asked me to reach out to him to see if he would talk. And I you know, I got in touch with him. I talked to him pretty quickly after the, the whole thing went down. And he said, what good is that going to do me? He says, you know me. I said, hey, listen, I know you. I'm calling you because they've asked me to call you, so I'm doing them the favor. I said, I, I told them that you're not going to want to say anything because... That's not how you operate. You're just looking for your next opportunity, and you're you're waiting it out, and you'll you'll see. And, and I and he knew he was going to get back. Right, right. And hey, 
look, I got relationships in the game. It's not gonna. It's not gonna. It's it's not in my favor to say nope. something bad about Theo and Jed, who were also in his corner. At, they were at, at the same time as despite moving on from. Him. All right, let's bring in some uh, Ricky from the other day. Uh, how about these expectations, Rick Renteria? Are you uh, nervous, perhaps, that uh, the club is not ready to take that on at the start of the season or even this year in general? I'm not afraid of of, of numbers. Uh, and I'm not afraid of talking about high expectations and winning. Um, I know most people, you know, they talk about it because you, you think you're putting your own head in the noose. Huh? Listen, we're going to be what we're going to be. If we do our job and we go about preparing and hopefully, you know, the actions, the performances come to fruition, uh, we should be on top of the victory column in terms of wins and losses. And there's nothing beyond my thought that doesn't say that I expect us to try to be competing and be a conversation for postseason play. So along those lines, Ricky, that postseason thing that you just named, should we expect the White Sox to be in the postseason? Would you be disappointed if it didn't happen? I would be disappointed if we don't make the postseason. I think that would be accurate. Um, we want to break through. We want this to be a an impactful season, and I think you can't force those things. You've got to allow them to obviously play themselves out. But I think man for man now we at least have um, a little bit more ammunition to be able to go out and compete, hopefully on a consistent basis that puts those victories on the board. And, you know, um, it's a long season. Uh, My job is to make sure they stay even keeled in the ups and the downs. But I'm very happy where we're at right now with the personnel. See, I loved it, and I was kind of nervous for him at the same time. Like, hey, I don't, you don't know if Dylan Cease is going to be good. You don't know if Lopey can be. You Very know. true. But he's not walking away from it at all. Look, we've spent a bunch of dough. These guys are young and talented and should be better. And, yes, I'm, I'd be disappointed if we don't make the postseason. Yeah, he's looking forward to, to the makeup of this team as well, which I think we're going to get into here in a second. But, you know, the opportunity to, to manage a, a team that can self-police and uh, – and do some things that he doesn't have to worry about because he's had to worry about that with a real young team. That's interesting that you bring up the makeup. And let's hear play cut five here, Curtis, on playing time and sort of, you know, uh, and I asked him this question. This, I, this was great. I mean, I, I thought about this as you were asking. I'm like, I'm really interested to hear what he's going to say about this. Yeah, because, you know, you've got Grandel. Well, James McCann had a great year, and I didn't even say McCann, but he, no. he, he went to it. Like, what about this? How, how are you going to balance all this talent? I've had some conversations. Uh, I've been asked questions about how are you going to split time with McCann and, and Grandal. I think that the, the game itself will dictate a lot in terms of what we do. Obviously, Mac played a huge role for us last year. I've had several conversations with Mac over the winter. And uh, baseball has a way of working itself out in terms of playing time. Everybody thinks that you're, you start off with the lineup and all of a sudden, third or fourth day into the, into the season, it's like, okay, what happened? It's a different lineup altogether. Well, yeah, that happens. But you have to be prepared to do that. The one thing that I do not want, and I'm okay with having a conversation with every player that I have on my roster, is I cannot allow players to become selfish. So there you have it. A, we're trying to win the World Series. Yeah. You're gonna. There's 162 games. You might not get 600 at-bats, but you're going to get 400. And I'm going to do my best to put you in matchups that are going to be in your benefit and in the team's benefit. And with the extra man on the roster this year, there are going to be guys that are not going to be in the starting lineup that may have not gotten into an opportunity to, to participate in a game, whether it be on the base pass, whether it be as a pinch hitter, whether it be as a defensive replacement. They're going to have a chance to make an impact one way or the other. 
Yeah, and that's hope. Normally, you're more comfortable with that being a veteran guy because mm-hmm. they're used to not being in the lineup every day. It's a very, it's a tough thing to do to sit for a week and then all of a sudden you're in a huge spot. Yep, crank it up. Yep. Hey, hey, you have the mindset to be successful and go out there and do it. But I'm really like, for, you know, for me, like if I'm James McCann, I'm like, wait a second, I just had a great year. I went to the All Star game. I helped you with Lucas Giolito. Now you're going out and you're getting a, a catcher, and it, it, it would, I would be, I'd be a little irritated. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like he's going about it that way. And Ricky's been, I like that Ricky's being proactive with it too. Proactive and look, I mean, Grandal is a, has the ability to play first base. Grandal also has the ability to be a DH. So there, there's going to be plenty of opportunity once that rotation gets set. And, and you know, plus it's going to depend on matchups. It's going to depend on who you're playing, uh, what pitcher you're facing that day. So I don't think there's really anything for. James McCann or, or Jose Abreu or Zach Collins, if they, he's the guy on the roster that's uh, the number 26, you're going to get your chance. You're going to get your opportunity. Then you got to make the most of it. Yep, and you see it all around baseball. The teams with depth, they uh, tend to last through the 162 a little bit better. Hey, Pick 10 plans are on sale now. Uh, get ready for that 2020 season with this flexible and affordable ticket plan. Pick your games, your opponents, your schedule with lower-level plans starting at $205. Visit WhiteSox.com to pick your plan today. And you can upgrade your game day in 2020 with premium seating. Enjoy an all-exclusive and inclusive experience with packages starting at just 20 games. You can cheer on your socks from the best seats in the house. For more information, whitesocks.com or 312-674-1000. We're going to hit the cheating scandal and those Houston Astros and vacating that World Series. Damn it, coming up after 6 o'clock, 720 WGN.